Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's show number 495 for January 27th, 2021. On today's show, we're talking about how our concept of a dream shop has changed over the years. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Their Let's Build sale, not Let's Build It, The Let's Build sale is going on right now, and that includes top tools to tackle new projects. Uh, The sale runs until January 28th, so you don't want to miss it. Get over there. Get get over there. Get it. Do that, and then come over here. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so. Yeah. By going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to come become become a, a, a patron of the show as we like to stay in the business mm-hmm. uh, we'd like to thank what we got here we got Aaron Tate I didn't zoom in again this is all small font again get Richard your glasses Street, get your glasses John Matt. Decker Paul Fron Connor Wales at three trails woodworking Drew Timothy Jonathan Houston and Dennis O'Malley what a- I, I thought it was, was an I I'm like oh is this an I in here now nope Nope, that's an L. Good. What a great oh. bunch of people. That's a good one. Thank you all so much, yeah, patrons thanks. of the show. Really appreciate that support. All right, so we have a main topic today. Woohoo! <sighs> Pretty excited about it. Um, you know, last show we talked a little bit. You know, Matt and I talked about shop stuff, and, and Shannon is moving stuff around and getting exercise equipment out of his shop because it doesn't belong there. Amen. <laughs> 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 Matt just thinks exercise equipment doesn't belong in the house at all, but that's a different story. That's well, Lindsay got a treadmill his, now. His three kids. Got, oh, that's true. That back. I, I do see her exercising in her stories. Yes, that's good. She's happy again. She, she's she's in, happy again. Enjoying herself. It's kind of hard. Well, her, kind of hard to run one, in this weather too, right? She's, she doesn't she, like running outside. Who would? She's, a weird, she's very weird like that. Like she only likes running on a treadmill. Hmm. Look, I get so that. Her, the pave, the pavement one, is hard. Is that is that what it is? It is the for me. It hurts my tootsies, frankly. 
Yeah, but she was like a runner person in like high school. Yeah. Yeah, track yeah, was she, more fun. She, re- she ran on a track, so that's nice and soft and cushy. <laughs> yeah. She ran cross country. That's All like right. outside in the woods and stuff. <laughs> don't know what to tell mm. you. Okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Anyway, Should my wife on? has a treadmill. That's good. Good news. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's the show, everybody. (laughs) Have a nice day. We're off to a rocking start here. Okay, so um, we're going to talk a little bit about how our concepts of dream shops have changed, whether it's like your life changes or your maybe your tool preferences change. Uh, You know, you got someone like Shannon who started off, I would say very typical with with, uh, some basic power tools and things like that and transitioned to all hand tools because that's just what he wanted to do. Um, (laughs) Budget, relationships. He's he's living his best life. Living his best (laughs) life for sure. Uh, Marriage, how about divorce? You know, there are times where life changes happen and your idea of what constitutes a dream shop can absolutely change over time. So I think that's uh, kind of what we wanted to talk about is how that may have changed for us, um, you know, and I actually built what I labeled the dream shop back in Arizona. Uh, Except it was in Arizona. And yeah. And I, and I turned my back on it because you know, what's funny. It wasn't, it didn't really feel as great as I thought it would. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe. And I, I, I think I attribute so much of my dislike for living in Arizona. I think the shop suffered from that. Because I just wasn't happy there. I was like, if you're not happy in your home, the shop that's next to your home, while maybe inside the shop things are great, you still have a way of not really loving it as much as you potentially could. And I'm so much happier in this shop, even with its stupid floors, and <laughs> and it's it's like a fun house in there. <laughs> you never know exactly what angle you should be walking on. Um, it's I still love that space more than the old shop which is crazy because it's a lot smaller. Uh, I don't have as much room, you know, for activities. Uh, but I don't have scorpions and snakes in there. So, you know, there's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think in the past, my perfect dream shop, it was, it was really just focused on size. You know, how, how big could I possibly get this space to be an open wide template that I could just put whatever I want in there, you know, just a blank slate that I could just build into anything. And what I discovered about myself is that when given a blank slate, I'm actually not that good about putting things in that space because I I almost think I overemphasize the importance of every decision. Like there should have been walls in that space. If I was really smart about how I designed an 1800 square foot shop, it wouldn't have been an open warehouse. It would have been like, here are some necessary partition walls. Here's an office space. Here's an area where you could section off the finishing. Never did any of that because I didn't want to commit to it. And then over time, I just, again, we started focusing on, you know, thinking about moving to the Denver area and uh, I just never did anything with it. So as big as that space was, it just, I never did much with it. And that's my fault, not the space's fault, obviously. So for me, you know, that was a big change. The whole like, oh, I need 1,800 square feet to be happy. That's not really the case anymore. Um, Perfectly happy with what I've got now, you know. Could always use a couple more feet, but I'm not going to complain about it. I think where I'm at now is is pretty great. Um, So, so Matt, you just moved and got what potentially could be that dream shop transition from a smaller garage to a larger garage. Have you given that much thought? We're getting there. Yeah. (laughs) Is, is this the dream shop for you at this point? No, it's still too small. But, yeah. I, but only from the standpoint of I do, I have a, a, a pretty wide, varied 
interest things in whatever you want to call that. You're involved in too much crap is what that you're is, saying. That is, that's my <laughs> that's problem. That's really what it comes I have, down I have to. too many things going on. Yeah. Focus. So I think for like, a, if you just want to do like, like a small furniture type shop thing, what I'm in now is like perfect because it's not too big. So you literally, as you're thinking about like your layout for your stuff, you know, the amount of footsteps you take in there is still not quite a consideration as it would be if you had like a giant 2,000 square foot shop. Because mm-hmm. if you put two things on opposite sides of the shop, it's very different in those two circumstances. That's a lot, a lot more footsteps for whatever reason. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm really happy with this space. Like I've already brought into it a lot of the elements of my dream uh, to make it more of a nice shop uh and for me like the the the, the, like the smaller like amenities that make it more of a dream space uh it's bright so it's very white and bright painted and Mm -hmm. it has a lot of lights in it so you can see what the heck you're doing uh it has in-floor heat which is an absolute dream for me i've been wanting that since i heard of it existed i'm like this is the best thing ever and it is i have to tell you i will never ever ever have any desire to work or even possibly live in anything that's not <laughs> in floor radius. I am uh, I'm envious because really that is the gold standard for oh. heating a shop space. Silent, again, efficient. Oh, it's and it's 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 more comfortable too. Yeah, more like consistent. It's oddly comfortable. Yeah, like I I always had to have my other shop at seventy five, seventy seven on the thermostat mm-hmm. to keep it like at a temperature. I'm like I feel good to be in here right now. In here, I have it set at 68, and I'm like, I could be in here in a t-shirt. That's unheard of for me. Do you sometimes just, be... like, snuggle up with your cheek on the floor? <laughs> okay, so there's there's some hacks that I have for in-floor heat now. Yeah. Be- before I go out, I put my gloves on the floor and my coat, so they're preheated Dude, before I put them on. that's so yeah, cool. Wow. That's, that's a good one. That's very cool. That's, You're that's so one lucky. Of my favorites. Also, when you put your shoes on, they're warm as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, so cool. It's I don't know. Like if you're gonna pour a slab at all, just put pecs in it, even if you don't think you're gonna use it. <laughs> just in case you can, you can never do it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, just in case on the off chance you want to heat your floor, you just do it. Yeah. What's the um situation for air conditioning there? Uh, I don't have anything yet, but okay. now I'm gonna probably put a mini split in there. Okay. I was putting it off, putting one in the old shop. So I'm like I'm gonna move. This is going to be the year I'm going to move. Yeah. So why install air conditioning this year? It's a big expense just to, to leave it. Right. And that never, but the best part is if I would have installed it when I thought about it the first time, I would have gotten many years out of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll put a, probably put a mini split. It's really just like two months out of the year where it just gets like boggy. And I don't like being sweaty on camera. <laughs> like, like, yeah, but your I, audience loves it, so. Yeah, yeah I don't. I, I don't. I, well, what's also kind of interesting with, I think, between us, like our ideals for what a dream shop is, is slightly different than someone who's just in there doing like normal woodworking for themselves. Absolutely. Like a lot of the dream shop stuff I have in my mind is based upon the fact that I have to be in there filming. Yeah. So a lot of my dreams revolve around the filming aspect. That's so a real good point. The yeah. the brightness, the amount of lights I have in my shop, I have way more lights than like anybody would normally have, but that w- was just a requirement of filming. I was tired of fill lights. 
I hated moving soft boxes around. Yeah. And they took up so much space and they're big and bulky. And in a small shop, you don't need a big bulky thing. You already have enough big bulky things. So I'm like, okay, what if I just put up more lights and then I wouldn't have to worry about fill lights because just everything's really it's well lit. There's no hard shadows light. anywhere. Yeah. So it made my workflow more efficient because now I'm not moving uh, fill lights around. And it also had this interesting effect where I'm actually able to work, like do the woodworking part a lot easier because I can see everything. Like <laughs> the whole shop is task lit. You can see everything. Yeah. You don't have to squint to see a scribe line because it's really visible. You can see everything you're doing. Nice. So like that, that's an interesting aspect where things kind of like it started off as like a efficiency thing for video, but it has transferred into my actual woodworking room. Like, I don't think I would want to work in any other space. Like if I go to my warehouse, which is, you know, it's pretty well lit for like, I think what most people consider well lit. I'm like, it's dark in here. It's, yeah. I, there's like shadows everywhere. It's terrible. Is it those and big giant like halogen bulbs you typically see in warehouse spaces? No, they've got fluorescence. Okay, all right. But they are well. They're also they're um oh, what the hell? The warm balance or whatever. It's like thirty five hundred or four thousand k. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even like that. I don't like that either. So yeah. that's the other thing in my shop. I got daylight. So I'm like it's better for filming, and I actually like it because it feels brighter and like. So what'd you go know. with like five thousand k? Six. Whoa! Oh yeah, I'm I'm all six. Whoa! In the old shop. That's oh yeah. That's so blue. It's so nice. You could burn See, out but, your retinas, you, man. You get I used to so. it though, and you can't go back. Like Matt said, you can't go back to another you shot. You need some. You're yeah. gonna need some blue blockers, baby. Oh man, wow. I go like the rest of the house has the lighting from the, the original owners of this yeah. house, and they're all like everything's so red, war, like warm white. <laughs> everything's like yellow and orange, like everything. What's with these and stupid also, Edison like, bulbs? Not a whole lot of lights to begin with on the rest of the house. Yeah. So like the shop was like really nicely lit. And I brought a bunch of those lights into our office because otherwise you can't see what you're doing. I can't even see my keyboard. Like it's that dark in here, man. I don't in the shop. I don't know how you're doing it. Like I, I know Shannon, you said you get used to it. I installed uh, when I moved into the first shop in Arizona, uh, swapped out all of the fixtures for uh, more efficient. What was it at the t- the big deal at the time was to go from like what was it T12 to T8s or something like that. <laughs> or yes. T10s the T8s I don't remember the numbers but you go to little skinny fluorescence that was the big deal um, and I was like oh pfft, I want more daylight let's go with 6,000 I put those things in and I walked in there I'm like I can't be in here this is too much <laughs> it was too too blue for me uh, I just couldn't stand it I actually got rid of all them and sold them off and uh, got ones that I think were like 5,000 okay like I couldn't take it and I know other other people I'm not the only one other people can't take that bright blue tinted light. It's intense. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. That's all I like. I'm glad you like uh, it, man. Once a video gamer, always a video gamer. That whole daylight thing just just can't can't deal with it, can you? <laughs> can't go ah, the sun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I like I like this idea. You made me think of something. Um, like writing down what attributes we consider part of a dream shop because I just wrote. We'll, we'll cover it a little bit later, but I wrote some down that I don't have that like that would be something if I could perfectly like design a brand new space, what would it look like? What would it have? I've added some things to that list. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk high about enough ceilings to fly a drone. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> That's my cameraman. <laughs> I call That's him right. Simon. Oh man. I, so I have higher ceilings now in this shop. Uh huh. Oh, I, it makes a huge difference. You feel like less constricted and confined as having, I went from seven to eight and a half mm-hmm. foot ceilings. It's, 
It's like wow. a world of difference. Like, oh, there's like room above you. And just you just feel like, I don't know. You can move it, around a 12-foot board and not smash in your lights. There's that too. <laughs> but just like just standing in there, like I I can't touch the ceiling right now, even if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, try being six foot four in a seven and a half foot ceiling shot. <laughs> you start to feel a little claustrophobic. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I would love I would love eight foot ceilings. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Stop bumping my head. So I guess that's on your list of things you wish you had in a, a dream shop, Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. If for no other reason, like storage to be able to go up when it comes yeah. to like stuff that Vertical you don't storage. use very often. Oh, sure. man, that'd be fantastic. But no, <laughs> especially because mine has a sloping floor the ceiling doesn't slope but the floor does so <laughs> the back of the shop is uh shorter ceilings than the front of the shop i actually do have eight foot ceilings at the front of the shop but like three feet into the shop it's down to like seven and a half feet is it like one of those fun house things where they, <laughs> yeah. where it's like tapered so that you could stand in the back and you look huge <laughs> and then <laughs> and you move to the front and you look tiny yeah that's and great. clowns i have yeah. clowns too they're over in the corner <laughs> nice yeah so, um, so with your situation, Shannon, um, I think your, yeah. your needs are very, you know, unique as a woodworker in a sense that you could be, you could be happier, I think, than the average woodworker in a smaller space be, simply mm -hmm. because of the, the kinds of tools you use. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the big thing when I started getting rid of power tools, you know, well, just like I said in the last show, you know, getting rid of my Peloton. Now I have this big empty space and it feels monstrous. It was the same thing. Like when the table saw went, it was like, holy crap. You want to talk about a good <laughs> footprint? Like yeah. I had so much space. Um, and then the joiner went. It was like, whoa, like what am I going to do with all this? Um, but then even then that's contracted. And I think certainly from a hand tool approach, you know, all of my work is done around the bench. So as long as I have enough room around the bench, I'm good to go. I could actually make my bench longer. That's what I should do. Now that I've got that extra space at the front, I just need to build a, like a 15 foot long bench. That'd be Very awesome. Quick. Use up the space as fast as possible. <laughs> right. Like a goldfish expand into it. Yeah. But what, what I've discovered is it becomes more about optimization than having more space. You know, you can, you can get along just fine on a much smaller space, but where things get weird is like, if you're constantly having to move stuff around. And in my case, I just had too much stuff in here. Um, I don't think I'm quite as varied as Matt because I don't really deal in, in like metalworking or whatever, but my interests in woodworking were very diverse. I mean, it was the whole reason for the Renaissance woodworker moniker to begin with was I, you know, oh, cabinets are fun, but Ooh, no, I like playing with turning as well. And green woodworking is kind of fun. And now I'm dabbling in marquetry and each one of those things kind of has its own specialized set of tools, um, and, and processes. And in some instances, workspace that's needed. So, you know, the, the dream shop for me is not about space, but kind of like you're saying, Mark, by partitioning. Yeah. Like if I had a big space, I would have a bunch of smaller rooms. Um, or more importantly, I would love to have like multiple spaces. Like have, you know, and some people will have like the shop divided into like a machine room and a hand tool room. You know, I would love to have like a dedicated like chair shop, you know, because the, the way that especially Windsor chairs, like the bench for a Windsor chair you almost don't need one, like a, a small, maybe two foot by three foot bench would be all that was needed to make a Windsor chair. And then I would have, want to have room for my shave horse and room for like a steam box and maybe a small dry kiln for setting bent forms and things like that. It would be a totally different shop. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and probably like a wood burning stove to like 
oh, throw away all the shavings, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, basically look like Greg Pennington's shop, you know, which is not so big <laughs> because he teaches yes. classes in there. Um, that would be the dream is to be able to actually like segment off the various things I want to do. Like marquetry, lighting would be totally different. I would have like, like Matt's shop. It would be like a freaking supernova just went off in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) No shadows anywhere. Scared to death. No shadows at all. Um, But then like, you know, my, my, my bench room where I'm milling lumber and, you know, the call it the cabinet shop, if you will, would be a totally different feel to it. Um, So yeah, that, that, that's the dream. It's completely unrealistic. (laughs) Unless I start slowly retaking rooms in the house. Or building, you know, outbuildings and things, which I suppose, sure. you know, if I, if I had a compound like Matt, I could start having various outbuildings. Well, have my, that's the first step. Yeah, right. <laughs> Got to get a compound. But that was that was the big thing is I started to realize um, even today, I realized there are some efficiency things I could add to my work, but I don't build enough of the same thing over and over again to justify it. So sure, like I went yeah. through a real Windsor phase for a while and I built what? like four Windsor chairs, like back to back. And I was starting to change how everything kind of worked in the shop. And I was actually getting annoyed with the workbench because it was just so big and like having to walk around it was like frustrating. And then I, it occurred to me, all right, well, you know, this phase shall pass or, or one day you'll build a, a Windsor chair shop or something like that. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know that you could do the variety of work that like the average hobbyist does and have the optimal solution for it. You know, um, look at like Brian Boggs shop, you know, all Brian and his company do is build a very specific style of chair. You know, certainly Mm -hmm. they're chair makers, but they're not Windsor makers. They're mostly post and rung style. Um, and he's got dedicated jigs, you know, for his style of, of, of furniture and the minute you can start to specialize that like that is the minute you can truly optimize your workflow and put things exactly where they need to be and set up the tooling in such a way that does, whether it's just this specific task or it's optimized for like one or two tasks, that just doesn't work in the hobbyist shop. Um, we're yeah, just I mean, a lot of times we're generalists, things. right? So it's, right. it's, it definitely is not as easy to be completely organized in that, in that situation. But I also think that that's kind of the, ev- the evolution after a while. Like I, I, I feel really happy in my shop right now. I've got it exactly the way I want it. I know where everything is. It's all within reach when I stand at the bench. You know, I still have these moments where it's like, you know, you're, I'm, I'm in the middle of a project and I'm like fumbling blindly. Oh, I need that marking knife. And I just reach out and there it is. It's like, yeah. and you kind of stop and you're like, that was cool. Like that was a cool moment. Like you blindly reach and grab the tool without even noticing. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I've optimized my workflow now. Um, but, but there's, so I'm kind of, constantly seeking that constantly seeking that that perfect whether it be organization or i I think optimization is a better word for it um and i know that i I won't get there while the the um the needs are so diverse right now when i do marquetry i have to like pull in this rubbermaid tub that has all of my veneer type stuff in it and it's got all of my um veneering type tools um all the basically all the stuff i got in the paul shirts kit it's all in its own little tub and when I'm done, that goes away and leaves the shop, um, goes into yeah. another room so that I can keep my main space kind of clear of the stuff that I don't need every day. Well, the thing that I think people also should keep in mind with something like this when we talk about the dream shop is, of course, it's so subjective. And I think that the reality yeah. is most of us will never have 
a dream shop. We will always have a shop. And then we do our best to to turn it into this refined space where that pencil is right where you left it or the marking uh, knife is, is right where you expect it to be. Um, because in reality, we don't always have the resources to make these things happen. And I'm sitting here trying to process in my brain as I look at the, I just put like five or six things down that I don't have in my shop that I wish I had. Yet I'm sitting here saying I'm happier here than I was in the shop that had those things, <laughs> right? So I mean, it really is a mental state kind of situation. So listen, listen to this list. I mean, Matt, you mentioned good lighting, AC, and heat. I think these are something everyone would agree that a good dream shop should probably have those things. Um, I'm lucky to have those now. <clears throat> things I don't have. Uh, far and away, a detached structure on my property way better than an attached garage, right? If I could have a detached building, that would be better. I want a wood floor, like just a wood floor that has plenty of give. You don't necessarily need mats everywhere to keep your feet comfortable. Um, it looks good. It's warm and inviting. I would love to have a wood floor venting the dust. I'm sorry. No, it just totally changes the space. I I can remember that in um, Chuck Bender's shop. He had his Mm -hmm. machine room, which was just slab floor. And then he had created a raised, it was plywood, but it was still it was raised up. Um, so you had that give and it was quiet. Yeah. It was like this totally different atmosphere. The yeah, whole like room felt warmer. From it. Yeah. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, venting dust collection outside. I hate my um, t- filter <laughs> for my, my cyclone with, with a fiery passion. And uh, if I could just safely and uh, respectfully have that stuff being blown outside. I would love it. Uh, better yet, how about the whole cyclone goes outside so that you don't have yeah. that level of noise in the shop? People are people are really into both those things, as they've made clear to me in numerous comments <laughs> as they've yes. been assembling my new cyclone. <laughs> right. What's we wrong with talk you, about, talk about that during the epoxy. <laughs> you can't uh, paint walls. You can't put that's down the a floor. That's the current one where I'm at yeah. with, uh, with feedback and comments on things. Well, um, take it another step, Mark, and instead of venting it just out into the open air, vent it into some sort of blast furnace and power the house off the the, the boiler room. Well, That's how go. we power our kilns at the lumber yard. So, you know, you could probably draw some sort of power out of that. Take sure. a step out of it. That's Don't put it in bins and then dump it in the furnace. Super put efficient. directly in there. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Or actually just have it go directly into like a smoker. And uh, <laughs> just have meat going the whole time. Just constant meat. Sawdust meat. We have so and much supply meat. of meat. Um, how about fewer garage doors? I mean, I'm in a, a four-car garage. It's got two single bays on the outside and one double in the middle. Total of four. Um, yeah, nice. When you have a wood shop, one garage door is good. <laughs> like any more yeah. than that is just wasted space. Uh, so you have to do things like I did, like make fake walls and stuff. Um, better storage. That's, that's, that's another one on my list. A garage door things. Uh, uh, yeah, if people tell me things. Yeah. So <laughs> what is it? A three car garage. Yeah. And yeah. so what do you have? A double and a single. Three singles. Three singles. Okay. So are you considering doing anything to wall those off? No, because I'm gonna build a shop. Oh, 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 oh okay. So the future plan is a different space anyway. Yeah. Okay. I feel you. <laughs> that's a smart choice this is um this is my current dream ish shop and yeah. stop gap before right the dream shop if the dream becomes a reality <laughs> yeah okay um how about better storage i mean i could say in this house we are really short on storage um and having a, a business i mean matt you 
went way above and beyond because you started a business where mm. you have inventory, like a oh, yes. significant amount of inventory. Um, I'm still talking about things like t-shirts and books and stuff. <laughs> um, I would like going to warehouses now. <laughs> yeah. I would need a, uh, can I have like a five square foot section of your warehouse and just put like a little rack yeah. on it and put my well, stuff I there? Can, I can prorate it for you too. It's, it's perfect. Right. Yeah. The, the wood so, whisperer, the wood whisperer incorporated has a shipping department. Matt has shipping and logistics. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a, a whole, whole it's a whole, whole thing. thing the whole thing <laughs> he's got yeah. he's got machinery i've got my mom right so. i'll tell you what that well, having that space really is very helpful it's a separate i'm sure you, I'm a, sure you already knew that but yeah i mean it's, it's a whole separate part of your business you know what i mean like i, I could see it, the justification is certainly there to not let that encroach on your regular content production and, and woodworking side of things oh it's it's so nice like you just you go there you get it done Every, like everything's laid out there yeah and like uh, that was the only thing people were asking like are you still gonna keep that now you have this place i'm like there is two and a half thousand square feet of finished space there a loading dock and truck access yeah like i don't have that here sure i need, I still need that mm-hmm. so just having like that much extra space like i have like obviously have the the chair kits and the workbench kits there and the lumber and stuff but just having like i have the pallet racks there that i have like stuff that I don't really need around here. I can store it there now. Yeah. Actually have, I have all of, well, all of my personal lumber collection will be there because you know, where it's a fantastic place to go look through a bunch of boards and stuff at a warehouse, <laughs> Yeah, you know, go not figure. like in a barn where you got to single handedly like sort through a bunch of boards and unstack them and everything. No, you just go grab the forklift, pull the rack down, the whole thing of it or whatever, and just get what you want and put the rack back. Mm hmm. Oh, great. You just reminded me of another thing that makes me not like my shop anymore. Too much wood in there? Not, Get a, that out of not there. enough space for the wood. Yeah. That's why I don't keep wood in my shop anymore. Yeah, oh. best thing I ever did was move Biggest it out of the shop of to someplace else. But I built a shed for the wood, and I still don't have enough because of s- stupid snowblowers and lawnmowers. You don't build <laughs> enough projects. There's your problem. <laughs> That's what it is. I need to build more. <laughs> Get back to work. <laughs> you just need to hire out the lawn care. That's the important part. That's- Actually, you know what's funny about that? That is one of those things back in Arizona totally with you on that like in the summer totally worth it to pay somebody to mow the lawn i actually really like mowing the lawn and Mm -hmm. maybe it's only because i've only been in denver for like four years and and it'll get old eventually but i enjoy it it's like my my fun friday afternoon routine i don't know i think i I could i could feel you there because there's some there's certain things that like don't make sense for me to do but i do them because i actually enjoy them and because my life is so built around working all the time yeah i'm like I don't, I don't, I just want to enjoy myself. I don't have hobbies. Yeah. I don't have time for that hobby stuff. So you know what? I want to go mow a lawn. Just yeah, like for a half an hour. I was going to say half hour to yourself, throw on some headphones, listen to a couple podcasts. Like that's, that's fun. That's good personal it's like, time. It's like it's my me time. Yeah. That's a meditative exercise. And then what I, am I doing? I'm thinking about my business. Right. I can, I can, I can, I can feel you on that. It's just, you know, developing a grass allergy later in life kind of put the kibosh on that whole meat. Oh, thing. sure. Yeah. That, that will definitely <laughs> three days of bedridden after mowing the lawn. You know, yeah. it's a great excuse to not have to mow the lawn, but yeah. <laughs> right. Oh geez. All right. Well, I got to tell you guys, everybody knows that you can't have a dream shop without at least some rockler tools or, you gotta or get accessories that blue in there. Yeah. You got to get as much blue as possible. Yeah. Everybody knows this. I still um, like that track system for like the little sliding shower curtain thing. I want that. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. 
All right, I'm going to tell you about a few Rockler products here that you may not be aware of. And, right, uh, and you, you might actually be interested in Matt. Uh, I think with your new space, you should consider some of these things. I'm, I'm listening. Okay. How about the Rockler Pack Rack Plus? Uh, you want me to tell you what it is? The, the name is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's not telling me enough. <laughs> you get Rockler, you guys got to work on the descriptive nature of your titles for your products, um, according to Matt. Okay, so this is, it's called the Pack Rack Plus. It's a, it seems somewhat modular. You can add things to it, but it's a rolling rack for things like clamps, tools, supplies. You can even add shelves to it. It rolls around your shop so that you can have everything that you need right there close at hand. And it's uh, all neatly organized for you. Uh, you can even suspend a wall mount dust collector inside with Rockler's dust oh. collector bracket. So it's a, a separate purchase. Yeah. <clears throat> so super efficient, but just imagine that little roll around thing. You got your glue on there. You got your clamps on there. Um, you bring it to the location that you're doing the work, which is pretty sweet. Um, how about a stowable work surface? They've got this thing called the uh, Rockler's Rock Steady Folding Steel Stand. It's an excellent choice for supporting router tables, T-track tables, and other work surfaces wherever space is tight. Uh, it's made of thick gauge steel, strong pivot joints, and anti-racking supports. Give the stand a weight capacity of up to 200 pounds. That's like six Cremonas. Wow. It's I've, pretty close to six. I've yeah. done the math. <laughs> um, In my head. Yeah. So when you're done using it, you just pull those little pins, lift up on the table and fold the legs. Compact storage goes right against the wall or you could take it to the job site if that's uh, if that's the way you roll. Uh, the other thing is um, I'm actually thinking about getting one of these. It's there. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. The Material Mate panel cart and shop yeah. stand. Um, sheet goods, moving sheet goods around and, and being able to take them from like a vertical position to laying them horizontal. Man. See, you're so like in like the past, man. This is for slabs. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got, sheet goods, come on. I ain't got no slabs. That's some tiny stuff. That thin, those thin things. I'm talking like three inch thick, four by eight slab. You think that weighs a little more than a sheet of plywood? Listen. It does. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and this Matt, is why Matt you is, have gas-powered machinery. In <laughs> <laughs> oh. But in all honesty, though, being able to go from like a vertical thing to a horizontal thing, uh-huh. regardless, you know, fine. You know, plywood, yes. But like for larger slabs, we've done glued up panels that big. Yeah. This thing, I've actually been looking at it because one of the, so talking about shop stuff and like in the last episode, we talked about how I changed my, I kind of did the layout a little bit. Yeah. So now I don't really have like like a nice place to put stuff before and after the jointer. So I'm looking at maybe doing like some kind of material cart thing. Sure. Because of that, because before I had easy access to horizontal surfaces by the jointer. Now the jointer has moved away from like all horizontal surfaces. So I'm like, yeah, maybe a little cart for like the it's stuff a good idea. ready to go through and then I can move it around or something. But something like this would be perfect for that. Yeah, I've got a, a little Rubbermaid cart that does that. I'd be lost without that thing. But this idea, especially because it does, you know, for people who use plywood, you know, like us peasants. Or, or slabs. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Look, yeah, yeah. that phase, that whole trend, that's coming to an end, Matt. And yeah. there, there will that's, be a reckoning, not, my friend. That, still, that's, that's people so still need big pieces of wood to make smaller, okay? Yeah, and slabs <laughs> won't be a feature. They'll just be a starting point. As they are. That's What's the problem yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> I just like how you assume, like, or not you, but like people assume, like, oh, it's a slab. It's got to stay a slab. Oh, no. We've, no. we've talked about that before. Don't, oh, no, don't no, disrespect no. the slab. So, what I'm thinking for this thing is like if you have, if you're not blessed with an overhead door, yeah. 
and you like pull a slab out of the back of your truck or something, you put it on here, turn it vertically, you can get it through the door, and then lay it back down, and now you're flat again. Yep. So if you're doing an install, I'm going to think about that too. If you do a whole slab table and you got to bring it to a customer's place and they gotta, you got to go through an entry door, you could probably install a slab table with one person. Yeah, that looks like you could. It's a good, it's Presumably. a good, uh, it's a good little invention. So anyway, those are Rockler things. You're going to want to check those out. We'll put the links in our show notes. If you want to see each of those three products and, uh, you know, thanks for sponsoring the show, Rockler. We, we love you a long time. <laughs> we always do. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we've got a bunch of things to run through here. Voicemails and emails. We're going to start with a kickback from, uh, our homeboy, Daniel Cohen. He's got something to say. Hey guys, um, this is a quick kickback to the guy who's renting some space and is trying to figure out what to do with his power situation. I happen to be in that situation. I've been renting a house for two years, and I did. I approached my landlord uh, and landlady and said, hey, I'd like to make improvements to the home by running 220 out to the detached garage. They said yes, and then said, hey, I want to make some more improvements and they even decided to take money off my rent because I was improving their property. And they said, hey, we'll split the cost with you. If you're planning to make all these improvements in, on our property, <laughs> um, let's, we'll make it even more worth your while. <laughs> Long story short, I have 220 power. I have multiple outlets. And after seeing the work I do in the shop now, they even hired me to build them a desk and an armoire. So I got a little woodworking commission and an even better shop and they even helped me pay um, by taking a little bit off my rent um, because I was making improvements to their property so just some encouragement good luck I don't remember talking about that but that's that's great I'm glad Daniel remembers (laughs) I I remember talk about that I remember yeah yeah that's a good I, guess, I think I, I answered that one maybe okay yeah I usually don't listen when that happens so <laughs> no. that, that makes sense don't worry about it <laughs> okay so <laughs> we got another uh, question here from Tim 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 Bridge is his name hey guys Tim from New Jersey here I wanted to get your opinion on something uh, maybe crazy I'm thinking of doing <laughs> so I have a one car garage shop and having things mobile and hidden away is super important. Now, I would really like to have proper outfeed table for my table saw, but there's just not enough space for a dedicated one. And my Rubo style bench is too low to use um, as one. My original idea was to build something to slip over the top of the Rubo that I could use as an outfeed. But the more I think about it, um, I was thinking I could use a series of pulleys on every corner of the outfeed table and have it hoisted up to the ceiling when not in use. It could be a pretty small platform to begin with and have like extension foldouts that increase surface area as needed. Um, and then I would find some way to either latch it to the rear fence or otherwise rear of the saw so it would stay attached and sturdy and the miter, saw, miter slots will be lined up, so forth and so on. Could even build some legs that fold out and actually touch the floor. But the main purpose, the main idea here is have a outfit table attached via ropes or string or something uh, to the ceiling that I can then hoist up with a series of pulleys 
and let down when I need it. Now there would be some lateral motion, obviously, as it's coming down, but once it's latched in place, it'd be pretty, pretty sturdy um, aligned with the table saw. Now there's nothing on the ceiling that I'd be blocking with this when it's up raised, no lights or anything like that. Um, the air filtration system is off to the side there. Uh, so I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it that way. I'm just, I've never seen this before. So I'm wondering, hey, am I crazy with this idea or, or is it something feasible? Um, you know, I could just get a couple roller stands and, and go with that. So curious to hear what you guys think. Um, thanks for all you do. And thanks for not quitting. Have a good day, guys. All right. What do you guys think of that? My I concern. Like people like leave us these voicemails while they're driving around. Yep. Right. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, guys. Don't do it. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, it's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. and like hold a hold hold a thought in your mind somehow. Like that's like the worst time for me to like call anybody. If I'm on the freeway, I might pull it off there. Maybe, city, yeah. city driving when you actually have to think a little bit. Maybe not. Like turn the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the blinker <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, maybe yeah. He, maybe he's a Tesla owner and you just hit the button and oh yeah say, there you go. He could be me, the passenger. Take me to we don't know that. Sprockets. Yeah. Okay. My so, concern here is the ropes when it's down. Yeah. Like the pulley system be fine and it you know yeah there's clearance above you there's no lights air filtration don't let, enable the table to go away but when it comes down I would want to be able to like detach the ropes that's gonna get in the way. Like imagine, you know, anything moving off the outfeed, like it would have to thread between those ropes. And now yeah. I would imagine you got like uh, eye hooks on the corners and then, you know, those little spring loaded latches or whatever. So he could probably uh, carabiners or something. Yeah. Just kind of detach yeah. it and then yank on the rope to hoist it up. But you still will have the, the other rope, the handle side of the rope that you're pulling has to be attached somewhere against the far wall. Right. So that that's not just right dangling around everywhere <laughs> i feel like yeah, you might I mean, be I, like way better served with a you know how you can on the back of a table saw you could add like maybe a six to eight inch extension and then have a drop down hinged ex long extension with foldable legs uh, i did this on my table saw back way back in california um so you kind of get a little bit more of an extension that works for for a lot of the cuts but when you need the full extension you you can kind of pull that up and then mm -hmm. transform to space so this only would eat up maybe six more inches of, of space behind your table saw uh i think he's going to be way happier doing something like that as opposed to a pulley system Yep. Yeah. Sorry. I, I got a kid, just, kid knocking sounds, on the door of the office. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds um, like an awful lot of work. <laughs> a lot of not, work. Not it's a, pulling it out of the way, just the, the actual setup. And, yeah. and I don't know. I know I would not but be if, happy with that. I mean, if, if he's got a really, really tight space and every single square foot is spoken for and, you know, having that little extension off the back of the saw would be a problem. Okay, fine. But I definitely think a fold down add on is probably the best way to go. I think it would be one of those things that was really, really cool. And then like a couple months on, you'll be like, oh yeah, I should use the outfit table. But nah, I don't want to like pull it down. So you find yourself like making do without it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just the one feeding the purpose. You know, right. And and so the more convenient it is, the more you're going to use it. I think that's a great idea for stuff that you rarely use. Yeah. Like a good way to store things would be to like, if you've got the vertical space, haul it up out of the way. Like I was saying about the dream shop, but 
It's just, I mean, I know how lazy I am. Like if it's on the other side of the shop, I'm like, oh, I'll just make this cut without it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I like about the fold down setup too, is you, you do wind up putting an extension that will always be there that adds that six to eight inches that I think for like most of the cuts probably would suffice. So if you're too lazy to pull the, the big one out, you don't have to, but if you need it, it's there, you know? If you're too lazy to pull the big one out. Well, sometimes, Matt, you know, in your 40s, you get a little tired. All right. Um, we got a, uh, a very important question from Jack, one that I don't know how to answer. All right. So it's about 10 p.m. and I'm trying to go to sleep, but I had a random thought as I was crawling in bed. Sorry if you can hear my dogs chomping down on some chow in the background. But um, the, the old <laughs> saying, <laughs> Fisher cut bait, kind of came into my head. And I started thinking, what would be the woodworking equivalent of Fisher cut bait, or pardon my language, crap, or get off the pot? Um, I know I have a bad, bad habit of starting a project and not finishing it. And I'm sure plenty of other guys do too. But what's how would you phrase that in woodworking terms where it kind of has the same kind of, I don't know, rhyme scheme or you know, zing to it? Like, what's the Markism or Shannonism or who's the other guy? <laughs> Crap. Cremona. Cremonaism. Sorry, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's the woodworking equivalent of Fisher Cut Bait? You guys have any ideas? I can't think of anything. Hmm. Nothing that has the 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 zing that Jack's looking for. They everything I thought of just sounds stupid. This might yeah, be a, I got nothing. This might be a good question for the audience. You guys have something we could we can make a new phrase that we could like pass around in the woodworking community. Cuz I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Build, build or Ikea. <laughs> okay, there you go. Build it or just friggin' buy it. <laughs> build it or buy it. That's what it is. Yeah, build it or be satisfied with commercial crap. How about that? Okay, great question, Jack. Um, let's see, we got one more here <laughs> from Chris. Well, what was it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's another one from Chris that I also don't quite know how to answer. Hey guys, Chris here in Minnesota, recording this actually on my new IsoTunes link I got for Christmas and uh, recording it for the second time because the microphone's pretty good and uh, sounded like I was yelling at you last time. Hopefully this comes through clear enough. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller, and what I wanted to talk to you about was the internet and really versus local groups or dedicated groups. uh, at first, I was going to ask you how you guys, if you weren't using the Internet and social media for your businesses, think that you would use it as a tool in your workshop as a hobbyist woodworker like me. Because really, it is just another tool for me. I use Facebook, I use Instagram, and I use uh, uh, Pinterest uh, and YouTube for inspiration, for information, uh, for, for training, whatever. And, uh, you know, it's, it's incredibly effective and useful and obviously convenient to do that. But at the same time, it causes you to have to kind of dive into the swamp of everything else on the internet. And uh, it would be great to be able to just throw all of that away. I know I I would be happier uh, doing that. 
but you know, the thing that keeps me in Facebook, the thing that keeps me in some of these things are you know, things like the Wood Whisperer Guild group and other groups that, that I belong to or search or whatever. Uh, but I also, uh, Matt, being from Minnesota, you and I both belong to the Minnesota Woodworking Guild. Uh, here, it's a great group. Uh, I wonder whether or not groups like that or you know, other even dedicated groups on the internet like the Guild or the Hand Tool School uh, would actually be better long, in the long run, uh, maybe perhaps supplemented with occasional you know, anonymous searching or whatever of, of the internet for ideas. But I wonder if we would be better off uh, you know, simplifying things down and, and uh, doubling down on those local groups uh, where you have a community of people that are all like-minded uh, and, uh, you know, maybe even have a, have a common central purpose versus these more uh, larger uh, public Internet groups anyway. Um, but anyway, I was just curious what you guys' thoughts would be or if you have tips and tricks for how to use these services on the Internet uh, and not have to get sucked into the AI mess uh, that all of it has become. Uh, be great to hear from you. I appreciate it. Thanks for not quitting, and uh, have a great 2021. Well, it's, it's tricky. It is tricky, right? Um, being able nope. to navigate not that stuff and maybe not see the stuff you don't want to see and focus on the stuff you do want to see can be challenging, for sure. Well, I think, well, I think you could probably speak to it pretty well as, the, as a moderator of a few groups, Yeah, especially on Facebook. So I, I think that's a lot of it too. Is like if the, the groups you belong to, if they are, you know, intentionally staying on point and helping to filter out all of that crap, then I think that is, you know, obviously going to be very helpful and useful yeah. to the the cause of, you know, keeping it on point a little bit. We have a lot of people who exclusively create accounts with dummy names, and you you we need to identify you to let you into the guild group. Um, so they will let us know ahead of time that they're doing this and they will be coming from, you know, um, John Babinga pants and we say, okay, you can come in and this person can now use Facebook without any family, without any, you know, oh, really? with no That's politics. With oh yeah. So you can have this, oh. this dummy account that allows you to use our group, uh, because we understand, we totally understand why you might not want the other baggage that goes along with it. So if you do something like that and you only subscribe to the groups you're interested in, your feed then becomes basically all that special interest stuff, right? So you don't have to get any of that other crap. If you don't want to be on Facebook, you don't have to. Um, I don't know if other groups would let you do things like that, but we certainly do. So there are ways to, to shield yourself from that other garbage and just focus on the stuff you actually want to see. Well, <laughs> from my own experience, um, I have a community forum that the only way you can get access to it is by paying some money to, to join the Angel School. It may be $5 for, you know, one-time lesson that will give you access, you know, or it may be that you've, you've you know, been an apprentice for a while or something like that. But, you know, there is a paywall that uh, prevents that. Plus it's, it's not Facebook. So there's not the algorithm that makes things so difficult to find. Um, uh, and I can just speak from personal experience. It's an incredibly useful community because there's none of that white noise in there. Yeah. The contrast, however, like going to a local group, first of all, if you have one, that's great. If you have one that's active, even better. But if you don't, I don't know. I do think that the online groups have been really beneficial because when it comes to like sharing what's going on or getting help in something, it's real easy to post a picture or post a video 
you know, from your own shop. Whereas if you go to the local guild meeting and trying to get help and you're trying to describe it, and unless you happen to have a picture on your phone or something like that, you know, you're not in your shop. You can't quite, you know, address it right then and there. Whereas mm -hmm. the, the online world can actually be really, really good for that. You know, right when something happens in your shop, you can, you can document it or you can hop on and get a question to an answer. Whereas, you know, if you have to wait until the next, you know, local guild meeting, it might not be, you know, it's kind of like asking the wood talk guys a question and hoping we'll answer it in order to, before you make your next move, <laughs> it could be eight, nine, 12 years. In before. other words, don't count on it. <laughs> right. Right. You know, <laughs> online is, is allowed for that, but yeah, I mean, you're right. The, um, the group world on Facebook is certainly a lot better than, than the mainstream, but you still have, you know, the algorithm is watching, you know, just look at the ads in the, in the sidebars, all that stuff is, is color, what gathering data on you. And I don't mean that from a paranoid perspective. It's just, it's going to, to alter what you see. Well, and obviously socially, you know, we've reached a sort of fever pitch right now in awareness of what social media can do and decisions that are made by these companies that people object to. It's a rough time. Um, and I could see there's a lot of people who just don't want to be part of that anymore, but don't want to let go of the communities that they do like in those environments. Right. And it's a double-edged sword because a lot of these online communities, these experiences that we've had, these have brought a lot of new people into the fold. And those are the people who are most excited to go to meetups and to go to makerspaces and to start makerspaces. I would, I would hazard a guess here. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. My gut says that if, if it wasn't for the, you know, the, the birth of crafting and making things online, that what we've seen in terms of resurgence in public spaces and meetups would never have happened because that was dying, you know, prior right. to the internet exploding. Um, you know, the typical local woodworkers meetup was not really doing so hot, you know, for a lot of cities. Uh, so I think there's a lot of good that's come out of it, but it really does have to be filtered. You know, that's, that, that is a, a tricky thing to do. Would you guys, if you didn't have, you know, the hand tool school component, Matt, the guild and your plans mm -hmm. and things like that. If you guys didn't have a monetary component to this, how much do you think you'd still be involved in online communities? Jeez. I don't know that I can answer that question. It's been so long. Yeah. You know, like my identity as a woodworker is tied a lot to like the content that I create. It's well, the, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there are times where I actually think like that. I'm like, well, if I don't tell anybody about it, what is the point? <laughs> right. you know? It's like, oh, wait, right. because you like woodworking. There's the point. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, I, I have to look at that like in, in other aspects of my life. You know, I'm involved in several triathlon groups on Facebook and, you know, I was heavily involved in a Peloton group when I first started, but that kind of died off because I stopped having questions. So I suppose on the woodworking side, I don't know. I may not be as involved. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not using the internet for like woodworking, like how to, um, but I'm also, you know, I stopped, you know, magazines and books and stuff for how to the books I buy on woodworking are mostly like museum books. Now, mm -hmm. um, they're certainly not, you know, crappy books on hybrid woodworking or essential <laughs> hey. joinery. <laughs> hey, of crap. it's a bestseller <laughs> in, in, in my, my house. Um, it, it's, it's weird to think about this because I, when I was in my heavy consumption, not of alcohol, 
heavy consumption of <laughs> that's, that's woodworking now. content phase. So take, you know, take it back to like the early forum days, you know, your 2005, 2006, I was just starting. Um, I was reading and watching everything that I could, but none of this was that's here today. None of this was there. And I, I got so deep into the, the game of making the content that by the time all these great channels and other woodworkers had started to make stuff, I just either didn't have time or honestly didn't have a whole lot of interest in watching it. Um, so when I think about like, what would I do if I didn't have to be online? I'm not sure I would spend a lot of time there. You know, I would probably like, like you, Shannon, <laughs> you think about your other hobbies, the things you mm -hmm. are still currently consuming tons of information on. I probably would be looking at those things. Um, like yeah. the only YouTube videos I watch these days, it goes with my interests right now. I'm, I'm looking at like custom PCs. So I'm watching a lot of uh, PC builds and things like that. Um, very rarely, unless I'm seeking out a piece of information, am I looking at something for woodworking? Yeah. No, I mean, I, and I think, well, with the exception for me of fly fishing, I can't watch fly fishing videos. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> fishing videos don't. It's do like it watching me. paint dry at a river. Fish yeah. or cut bait. <laughs> ha! Aha! Nice. <laughs> Good tie-in, Matt. Yeah. I knew there was I'm a reason her. we have you I'm on the show. I'm here for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So, Matt, what about you? I mean, you're the, you're the millennial in the group. So, it's kind of interesting for me because, like, I started my my social or my, my internet stuff as myself. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing it as a profession. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's, I've never really thought about it a whole lot until this question. Uh, but so, I mean like my Instagram account is me because that was just my personal account from when I had Instagram. Yeah. And then I just started posting stuff and then people found it and they liked it and they followed me and now I'm a woodworker online. I mean, I, <laughs> but I don't, I highly doubt I would spend as much time as I do uh, on my phone looking through stuff. I, I, I definitely wouldn't spend as much time as I do now answering messages because presumably no one would care to talk to me. Would you do as much story stuff? I mean, is is the fact that you know literally thousands of people are watching you move crap with a forklift <laughs> is that is that a core part of the motivation to continue doing that or like would you do it if you didn't have the audience i probably would also have the forklift but um, <laughs> that's true you couldn't afford it <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> no i probably wouldn't do it as much i don't i'd be like well who's watching me then yeah Right. Because otherwise, like, if no one's watching, then what the hell's the point? I, I, I don't debate well, that at all. I'm the same way. I mean, I think there, are, right. there are legions of people who, you know, the most interaction they have is they click the little like button, you know, yeah. or the thumbs down button in Mark's case. Um, <laughs> it's, it's their favorite you know, one. You, you get like, well, we just had the, you know, longtime listener, first time caller. I mean, how many I wonder if I might kind of slide into that, even as it is like on Instagram, I tend to like comment less uh, on other stuff. I mean, you know, I'm scrolling through the feed and I see it and I, and you know, I'll hit the little heart button and that's pretty cool. And uh, I don't know. Uh, you just end up being a, a lurker more than anything else. Yeah. I think, I think for me, like a good comparison is like how much I post to my Facebook by like personal Facebook. I, I never do. I don't use it. I'm only on, I only go on Facebook to like go through like the groups and like answer questions and like the, right. the working community. Like I'm not, when I was like 10 years ago, I'd be posting crap on Facebook all the time. Here's some pictures of me doing this. Here's pictures of me doing that. Here's something funny I said. Whatever. I barely post anything now. 
Maybe it's because I spent all my life posting stuff on other platforms publicly that I don't feel the need to post anything more in like the more private type of space for me. Yeah. But that's the best comparison I have. Where I'm like, I probably wouldn't be doing as much. There, there is no, there is no privacy. I mean, you, you're, yeah, I, I did the same thing. I actually looked at my personal Facebook profile the other day and the photos were like from six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I know I posted more than that. No, no, it all ends up on either the Renaissance Woodworker page or the Instagram <laughs> account or the Renaissance Woodworker Twitter account. Because, you know, that whole idea of, um, well, especially in, in your case, Matt, because your brand is your name, you know, the personal brand. Um, there, One of the reasons it's successful is the transparency, you know, the, the sharing of, of your life and your kids and your wife and, you know, Mark's and case, dog butts. Lots of dog butts. And that's butts. what makes it fun for me. <laughs> right. That, that's the part that I enjoy is that there's like people come along on this adventure of life with me. Well, and, it's, and it's not all business. It's like this, this is us <laughs> having not fun. Alone. Did you just say that? And I'm not alone. Yes. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> lucky you. That's sweet. That's, uh, that's touching. I, I try it once, once a day, you know? Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> what do you think some of it with the, with the different platforms you wanting to post there or not has to do with the people who are on there or the, I, I don't want to say monetization because you can't really directly make money on Facebook anyway. Um, but is it, is it the people on the platform that make it's it not a what place you don't want to be? The sidebar tell me, they tell me I can make money on Facebook all day. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course you can. Some people can, we can't. Um, no. so, I mean, so what is it? Is it or cause it's definitely a different demographic, uh, a piece of content that I post on Instagram just very generally summarize what people say. It's like, that's so cool. Oh, that's great. That's neat. How'd you do that? I'd like to blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's more excited on Facebook. It's more, you should have done this. Why didn't you do that? That's dumb. <laughs> that's dumb. Right. <laughs> so if I'm completely general, like generalizing, that's how I see those two platforms. And I still interact with both of them. I still see value in it, but it's a very different crowd of people on Facebook. Uh, I, I no, used wait, wait, to wait, try. Wait. I want to know what Twitter's like, <laughs> but I don't care anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I, I just had the cross posting from Instagram and that's it. So if people will see it on Facebook and we'll see it on Instagram, it's the same content. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, with this, the social stuff, I've kind of found it as, as more being like the behind the scenes, look into the production of the stuff I do on YouTube. I feel like that's how it's, it should be. It's kind of like how I handle it. We're like, Instagram, it's, it's like the background of my life is what I'm doing. Here's what I'm working on. Yeah. And then eventually you'll see something on YouTube that is the completed process project of like the completed uh, thing I've been working on mm -hmm. or whatever I'm doing. Interesting. Okay, well, let's uh, let's wrap that up. we got one last question. This is mostly for you guys. I thought this would be interesting in case listeners are new to the show and they don't know. Um, Mark, with a C, spells it correctly, Murdoch, wants to know, careers of the hosts. He says, hi, guys. I've been following Mark for a while. I'm fairly new to Matt and Shannon. Uh, maybe you guys have talked about it already, but do all three of you make a career out of woodworking and making online content? Do you guys have any day jobs? And how did you transition into what you're doing now? So I'm going to we'll make this quick. We're not going to take too much time. Um, I was in biotech prior to doing woodworking. I started woodworking as a hobby. Uh, didn't like my job. And uh, Nicole said, you're, you're, you're going to be happier being a woodworker. I said, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Listen to your wife. I did. 
Uh, and uh, so I started making furniture. Didn't do great as a business, had a real tough time. And then in 2006, started making videos. That's where the Wood Whisperer started. That then became my career. Since then, that's all I do is, uh, is, is make content, videos, occasionally uh, torture myself by writing a book. <laughs> I, do, I do this podcast and then that's how I make a living and support my family and employ uh, a number of people now, which is super weird and scary. But uh, that's me. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I'm growing. <laughs> next comes a warehouse. Uh, what about you, Matt? Oh, I'm next. In a nutshell, what's your history? Oh, I st- uh, let's see. I started out woodworking as a hobby. I was previously, I did uh, software design for medical records software. That uh, company didn't really take off. It was a startup. So I lost my job. Uh, I told my wife I would try and make videos on the internet and uh, try that out because, you know, other people have figured out how to make a living putting stuff online. So by golly, I should be able to figure out how to do it as well. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, so that's what I do now. I've been making content online and doing like woodworking related stuff for what, six? This is my sixth year now. Nice. Already. Did you go to, did you go to Lindsay and say, look at this guy, if he can do it. I can obviously do this. I'll show you who you were. Okay. <laughs> you're infamous. You. Uh, the whole family knew you. Yeah. Well, that's why your mom and I are so close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know, I, I, forgot, I forgot to text her back oh, yesterday. See? And oh, no. You let her know that I reminded you. <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just leave that open in a text, man. You got to respond. Oh, she was thanking me for the Christmas gift I sent her. Oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble now here comes the guilt trip i'm terrible all right it was a it was like a kissy face and everything okay well i got i'll i'll stay on a caller but it's like time almost 10 o'clock all right i'll call her in the morning call her tomorrow first thing before before you do your instagram story about the fact that it's freezing cold and snowing oh that's the best part right. i know she's like probably watching my stories all day like, yeah. oh, i'm going snowmobiling for 20 minutes oh you can go snowmobiling you can't text your mom back you know what <laughs> say hi to your mom in the story and really make her day that's how you do it there you like, go. Hey, just because I just want to let everybody know I love my moms. Should I like maybe like have you come on as like as like consultants? Yeah. Like things I should be doing. I think so. Okay. I'm pretty good at this stuff. Oh, it seems like you're doing pretty well so far. I mean, it's just like your free sample. I mean, that's pretty good. Just the taste, man. If this is the free sample, you got to imagine the paid stuff has to be pretty good. <laughs> Uh, all right. So uh, who's the, uh, the, the only the one who actually has a real career um, <laughs> would be Shannon. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and boy, has it been diverse. Uh, I actually I don't even know if you guys know this. I started as a choral conductor um, <laughs> for an, for an, uh, a light opera company <laughs> straight out of college. I didn't know and, that, but it doesn't, it doesn't surprise, surprise me. me at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Gilbert, Gilbert <laughs> and Sullivan right. type stuff. Um, but, uh, like Matt, the whole thing went under and I ended up with, with no job. Um, so I, this was Y2K era. So what do you do in the Y2K era? You go into the IT sector and I became an IT project manager, was doing that for almost 15 years. Um, during that time, I started uh, a podcast and a blog called The Renaissance Woodworker. Nobody was making money at the time. I, I think Mark was probably making some money at that point, mm-hmm. but it was like still really early days. Like we were just doing this because we wanted to share our hobbies. No, you know, we were happy if maybe we got a free tool, but 
Dude, I was making tens of dollars, okay? Yeah, right? Yeah, so, you know, it was... (laughs) There were no... Right back in. (laughs) Yeah, it paid my internet connection. (laughs) Right. That that was pretty much it. So the the, the reason for starting, you know, was not, am I going to do something with this? No one was doing that, but it was just kind of an outlet. Um, It was a way to kind of share what you're working on, but learn from others. So... It's interesting. The whole blogging and podcasting community was was very insular, but there was only like six of us <laughs> at that point. When, when you can't um, make money from it and when it actually takes a certain, I'm not going to say a light amount. It's It was a decent amount of technical skill to be able right. to do oh, these yeah. things at the Absolutely. time, right? With RSS feeds and, and things like that. Um, that's yeah, a big barrier to entry that's gone now. No, totally. Absolutely. And, and getting your your website set up and everything. Yeah, yeah. It took some, a little bit of coding knowledge, but that, um, I, I moved out of the it sector and actually moved into digital marketing. And what was interesting is that particular firm was really, really small. And, um, that prompted me to say, you know what, I should try to do something monetary financially with this whole Renaissance woodworker thing. And the hand tool school was born out of while I was working at a digital agency and it was going really slowly. Mm-hmm. Like commissions were not real good. So that's what spawned of maybe I can try to make some money there. Um, one thing led to another. I ended up getting a job opportunity to work for a lumber yard as the, the director of marketing. And today I honestly say that that is my day job, but my lumber job in the day is what I call my retirement fund. Um, I make a living from the hand tool school and from the Renaissance woodworker. That's where the, that's, you know, the mortgage and all this stuff is paid. The the money I make, you know, at the lumber yard, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate in that situation where, well, let's put it this way, healthcare and 401k. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I do what I do with the lumber yard. I mean, it's, it's awesome. If it were a different job or a different company, not a chance. I would have gone full time with, with the hand tool school probably seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I, it, it worked out quite well. I get to a lot of exposure to the lumber industry, which certainly has been a great uh, kind of street cred thing for me. So yeah, sure. Well, and if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have uh, the the best. I was going to say best selling, but you don't sell it. The uh, the the most listened to <laughs> podcast, the lumber industry update, the number one podcast on the lumber industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking records every day, man. It's, it's the number one and the last ranked podcast in the yeah. industry. Good stuff. Best and worst winner. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's a little summary on who we are, um, in case you didn't know. And I think that does it for us. I have kids that I need to put to bed. Um, remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Rockler is a family-owned business since 1954. They're your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. Yay. Mm-hmm. Go Rockler. Go Rockler. Well, folks, we do appreciate your questions. We even appreciate the questions that we meant to answer in this episode, but ran out of time and chose not to answer. Um, <laughs> so the, the fact is, those questions will probably never get answered now because uh, they've been pulled out of the inbox, never to be returned again. But thank you for submitting those questions. And if you'd like to submit some more questions, go to woodtalkshow.com. Um, you can fill out a form there or you can go to Instagram. Uh, we're Wood Talk Show there and you can send us messages. We have we have Margaret now to answer them for us. So we may still not answer them on the show, but we do appreciate <laughs> you asking those questions. 
Seriously though, like Mark said, we do want to try to answer more questions in our new show format going forward. So keep those questions coming. We do appreciate it. And if you want more of us, you can find us on Instagram at Matt Carmona, at Wood Whisperer, and Renaissance Woodworker. Awesome. That is all. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And wish me luck putting down two cranky kids who uh, had too much activity and sugar today. So, yeah. All right. Business as usual. Business as usual. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. 